the contagion, the, it is so contagious. Really? Nobody's ever seen anything like this, where large groups of people, all of a sudden, just by being in the presence of somebody, have it. Yes, that's how contagion works. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Oh. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hi. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Oh, I'd love to be there. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, even during pandemics. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Radio to Quarantine by Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for... Joining us today, I hope everyone out there is doing okay, is doing well, is staying healthy, (laughs) is staying indoors as much as possible, at home at least. Before last week, the all-time record for weekly unemployment claims was in uh, 1982, when some 695,000 Americans applied for unemployment in one single week. Last week, however, that number was simply blown to smithereens when the numbers showed that the uh, week before, more than 3 million filed for unemployment, demolishing the old-time record of just 695,000. 3 million. Well, this week, on Thursday, the new numbers make last week's report, frankly, Look like a picnic. A staggering 6.6 million people applied for unemployment benefits over the past week as the coronavirus outbreak continued to ravage nearly every corner of the American economy. The Labor Department reported on Thursday the speed and scale of the job losses is without precedent. In just two weeks, the pandemic has now left nearly 10 million Americans out of work, more than in the worst months of the 2008 Great Recession, and now, frankly, beginning to quickly approach Great Depression levels at this point. Forget about the Great Recession. We're blowing right past that one. We're going right to Great Depression, I I fear. We're number one, I guess. Are you tired of winning yet? All yes. this winning? 
Uh, Michelle Meyer, chief U.S. economist for Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, uh, said uh, what usually takes months or quarters to happen in a recession is happening in a matter of weeks, according to The New York Times. Even the stunning figures on jobless claims are an incomplete reflection of how fully the pandemic has brought commerce to a halt. Many people who have lost jobs or income did not qualify initially for benefits, so they did not follow a file. Others encountering state unemployment offices that are now overwhelmed by the deluge of claimants were unsuccessful in filing over these past two weeks as state, as state websites continue to crash and phone lines are nearly impossible still to get through to. Congress has stepped in, of course, with a $2.2 trillion emergency outlay that aims to keep both families and businesses solvent. But economists say the aid can at best limit the damage and may not even be nearly enough to do that much as the tendrils of the pandemic reach deeper into American uh, into the American economy. So I'm just nothing but good news today, Desi Doyen. How are you? I'm holding on. Okay, holding great. On. Great. You still have your job? I do. Thank goodness. That radio is an essential service. We will see how it goes by the <laughs> we'll end of the hour. Many new unemployed have said that they were not able to uh, apply for the benefits because uh, the, they couldn't get through. But gig and self-employed workers like barbers and hairdressers were also not eligible to, to apply until the end of March, according to The Washington Post. Uh, not until after Congress passed their uh, $2.2 trillion relief bill to expand who qualifies for unemployment aid. These workers are only just now beginning to fill out applications. Economist Heidi Sheerholtz has spent her life studying the job market, said she was shaking when she saw the, quote, terrifying number of job losses in March, Shearholtz is predicting 20 million Americans will be out of work by July, the worst unemployment situation since the Great Depression. But please note, as the Post reports, that is her, quote, best-case scenario if Congress does another big stimulus package to aid the economy following the one adopted last week that was already half the size of the normal annual federal budget for the U.S. government. So she is saying 20 million Americans will be out of work by July and only if yet another bill, some sort of relief bill, some sort of stimulus bill is passed by Congress. Now, uh, for the record, Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, once is while U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has already been putting together such a follow up package. McConnell said he wants nothing to do with it. One week after the Senate unanimously passed the two trillion dollar emergency relief bill aimed at limiting the financial trauma for the coronavirus pandemic, according to Robert Costa at The Post. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he would move slowly on considering any follow-up legislation and would ignore the latest efforts by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to jumpstart talks. She needs to stand down, McConnell said in an interview with The Washington Post, calling the Speaker's recent comments about a fourth round of virus-related legislation, quote, premature. In response, Pelosi said she would carry on. Yes, she will persist. <laughs> 
The victims of the coronavirus pandemic cannot wait, she said in a statement. It is moving faster than the leader may have suspected, and even he has said some things should wait for the next bill. Well, that next bill, the way the uh, majority leader in the Senate is talking, may never come. At least he's in uh, he's in no big hurry. Surprise! <laughs> So for the moment, the uh, the relief bill, which gives away billions to big corporations and a twelve hundred dollar check to most individuals, along with extensions of unemployment benefits for those who qualify, um, that twelve hundred dollars may be the only federal relief that most Americans will see for the foreseeable future. And even that may take a long time in coming, according to NBC News today. The first Americans to get relief, uh, relief payments from the government under the coronavirus legislation signed into law last month will not see money until at least the week of April 13, according to new estimates from the Trump administration that were provided to House Democrats. So uh, we're looking at uh, about two weeks. Uh, yeah, about two weeks. But that's if you're lucky. Many people who don't have direct deposit information on file with the IRS may have to wait months, months to get the money, to get the $1,200. The memo, which was obtained by NBC News, says the Americans who have their direct deposit information on file will receive their payments in mid-April, quote, likely the week of April 13. So this would be, uh, you know, people who have uh, filed their taxes before and asked for direct deposit. So the uh, IRS has that information. Hopefully that information is up to date. If so, maybe you'll get something on the week of April 13, two weeks from now. But about 60 million Americans will receive checks at that point. Um, and that's, by the way, $1,200 for individuals, $2,400 for couples, with an additional $500 per child. I think it's up to five children, as I recall. That sixth child, forget it. Yeah. You got nothing for that. Yeah. <laughs> What's he worth? <laughs> Uh, about three weeks after those direct deposits go out, three weeks after those direct deposits go out, the IRS will only then start issuing paper checks, likely the week of May 4, according to the memo. The office that issues paper checks, however, and this is a, so, all right, so we're two weeks away from the direct deposit of this $1,200. Then another three weeks later, we'll start with the paper checks, but the paper checks, the office that processes them, can only do about 5 million checks per week. So it could be get this, 20 weeks mm. or nearly five months to get out all of those checks. The office, according to the memo, will process paper checks for the lowest income Americans first. Well, that is good, I suppose. The, uh, the memo also notes that people on Social Security will not have to do anything to receive their payments. The, the rebate will be sent to them just as their Social Security checks currently are. But uh, here's the deal. As welcome uh, as I'm certain those checks will be to many Americans, they really are a drop in the bucket right now as far as what is going on and as far as how bad this will be getting for so many people. I mean, 
we are at the first of the month right now. Rent is due for many of us, as well as mortgage payments for for those with with houses. And while some mortgage payments uh, might be uh, forestallable with a moratorium on uh, on mortgage uh, well, at least on evictions in some states, states like California, as I believe, uh, many renters may not have any protection at all. And as many of them have lost their jobs, and as we discussed on yesterday's show, more than half of Americans do not have $1,000 in the bank today. You know, for an emergency, whether it's health care or anything else. TPM's Josh Marshall writes that what's needed is not stimulus. It is more like life support for big sections of the economy. Stimulus, he says, will make sense when you start shifting back to full economic life. But right now, that is not what we're talking about. Right now, we're moving in the opposite direction. Right now, people are being laid off and applying for unemployment insurance. I mean, we are nowhere near this notion that, oh, if we just stimulate, if we just, you know, give some money out to some companies so they can make some, uh, take out some loans and, and do some uh, improvements on Buy their, some equipment. Yeah, infrastructure. I mean, that's what they were supposed to have done two years ago with those tax cuts to those huge corporations. Remember those? That was supposed to be their gift. And instead of using it to strengthen their companies, instead they used it on stock buybacks, you know, to stuff the pockets of their executives. And now they're asking for more money. Well, now they got more money. They got more money in this, uh, in this stimulus relief bill, this corporate giveaway. But they should have gotten no money, all that money, all of that money should have gone, frankly, at this point, to direct cash payments to the public. And Mitch McConnell is in no rush to do anything at all about it. By the way, that is pretty much what the Democrats wanted. And the, the only way they could get any of this done, any of these payments to individuals, was if they pretty much did a split, a bargain where the Republicans had, uh, you know, half the money going to these uh, to businesses and the other half going to actual people. And by the way, didn't uh, Mitt Romney tell us corporations are people, my friend? <laughs> so shouldn't those corporations get twelve hundred dollars like actual people? Yes. But, you know, hey, guess what? Elections what? have consequences. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And we're going to get to some of that in in a moment here as well. But boy, oh boy, boy to Christ, do I hope that people remember this in November if they are allowed to vote, if they are able to vote. I hope they remember what happened here. But in any event, uh, we are nowhere near right now this uh, idea that the economy is back to full life. So, we'll, you know, put some stimulus in there. We'll, we'll make things a little bit better, some quantitative ease, easing by the Fed. No, we're, we're nowhere near that right now. For now, we are moving in the opposite direction, and that is decidedly not what the American people have been uh, told by this administration over the past week or the past month. Uh, th this uh, president, or frankly, even the Democratic frontrunner, Joe Biden, right now, he is not, you know, the American people are not being told the truth about that. We have been trying to do exactly that on this program as best as we can. 
But uh, if, if so, if anyway, if Republicans are not interested in getting to work on another much needed economic relief bill of some sort, one that could put Americans to work, Pelosi has said that she would like to work with Donald Trump on a two trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which would actually put a lot of people to work in theory, just like during the Great Depression. Uh, and it would come at a time when that is exactly what is needed, a time that we need to put people to work and a time that, by the way, our long crumbling infrastructure is long overdue for a fix for upgrades in, yes, a depression era type federal infrastructure program. Pelosi, that's pretty much what Pelosi was looking at for this phase four program. And uh, Trump has said he would be interested, of course, he says a lot of things. But if Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, if they're not interested in that, what are they doing in Congress? Well, here's a little hint about what Republicans are up to. All right, first trigger warning here. We try not to play too much Donald Trump audio on this program since, uh, A, his voice is like fingernails on a chalkboard uh, to so many, including often myself, but also because we work very hard not to spread false information on this program, even when it's coming from the president of the United States. But in this case, it's probably helpful to offer a reminder of just how much false and, uh, frankly, in the bargain, deadly information that this guy and his administration have put into circulation over the past two months regarding the coronavirus. Here's just a here's just a few a uh, few seconds of it. This is from who is it? this is from Republicans for the rule of law. Thank you. Are there words about a pandemic at this point? No, we're not at all. How concerned are you? Well, we pretty much shut it down. You know, a lot of people think that goes away in April. We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. It's going to be down to close to zero. It's going to disappear. It's like a miracle. It will disappear. Yeah. Uh, they could have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. The president say, for example, he's going to continue with, with political rallies. Is this sending the right message? Going to a rally? There's no reason that you shouldn't go. It's really working out. No, I don't take responsibility at all, but it's something that we have tremendous control of. I How would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd read it at 10. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. Are there words about a pandemic at this point? No, we're not at all. How concerned are you? Well, we pretty much shut it down. Yeah, they pretty much got it shut down. Don't worry about it. No pandemic. The count will be down to zero pretty soon. Sure, go to rallies. No problem. We got this completely under control. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. That's the administration. And that's what they have been telling Americans for the past two months. So uh, now what are Republicans in Congress doing if they're not interested in moving a bill uh, to put millions of Americans back to work quickly in what is likely to be the greatest economic depression in the history of this nation? Well, here's what they're doing. Senators Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri, and Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, are bringing the iron fist of justice down on officials who disseminated false information about the coronavirus. Well, glad to hear it. Good. Finally, Trump and his administration might be held accountable. Oh, wait, what? Oh, they're only. Oh, only if those officials who disseminated false information about coronavirus are from other countries. Mm. Got it. 
Yes, the Lee Wenlang uh, Global 5 Public Health Accountability Act of 2020, which is named for the Chinese doctor who raised the alarm about the severity of the disease before dying of it himself, authorizes sanctions on countries, countries, not individuals, but countries that, quote, deliberately concealed or distorted information about international public health emergencies. And I guess as long as those countries aren't the U.S. in the form of its president, who has been putting out all manner of false garbage and crap to the country and the world over the past month or two, then uh, then we'll hold them accountable. The uh, legislation seems to target China, where the coronavirus outbreak originated. But the uh, so that was in the Senate uh, and the U.S. Intelligence Committee has reportedly concluded that Chinese officials hid the extent of the crisis originally. So we got the Senate bill. And don't worry, over on the uh, over on the House side, someone who is always concerned about, you know, public officials telling the truth to the American public. Congress, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, oh, dear. Republican of Wyoming, she joined with uh, five other Republicans to introduce similar legislation in the House earlier this week. Luckily for some of Hawley's and uh, Senator Hawley and Senator Cotton's peers, the legislation only applies to officials in other countries. But uh, interestingly, however, one section of the bill specifically names uh, as liable for punishment an official who, quote, financially benefits from acts intended to deliberately conceal or distort information about a public health emergency of international concern, including coronavirus disease. Well, that, as the FBI has reached out to at least one lawmaker, according to CNN, after reports revealed that Senator Richard Burr, Republican of North Carolina, had unloaded anywhere between $628,000 and $1.7 million in stocks while receiving private briefings about the outbreak as head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. So that doesn't look good, and it did not look any better when NPR unearthed uh, the statement that he, where he described the disease as much more dire than he was uh, discussing it publicly, much more dire when he was meeting with a whole bunch of rich uh, funders, Republican funders who were giving money to his campaign. Those people he told the truth to. This was in February, late February, February 27, the same day that he was telling uh, his business buddies uh, that this was likely to be a disaster. He was out there saying, we've got this under control. But here's what he told his business buddies. There's one thing that I can tell you about this. It is much more aggressive in its transmission than anything that we have seen in recent history. It's probably more akin to the 1918 pandemic. Every company should be cognizant of the fact that um, you may have to alter your travel. You may have to look at your employees and judge whether the trip they're making to Europe is essential or whether it can be done on video conference. Why risk it? Yeah, why risk it? That would be good advice. That would be good, good advice to share with Americans. Americans who hadn't given you thousands of dollars for your campaign, Senator. Back in February of 27, uh, February 27 of this year, how many lives might we have been able to save had you shared that publicly? 
Also, Republican uh, Senator from Georgia Kelly Loeffler, who is up, by the way, for re-election this year after being appointed to her seat by Georgia Republican Secretary of State turned illegitimate Governor Brian Kemp. Uh, Loeffler has also come under fire for selling stocks between 1.2 million and 3.1 million between late January and mid-February. She reportedly sold stocks in retail outlets, clothing stores, many of which have closed due to the pandemic, while at the same time buying stocks that stood to profit from the COVID-19 outbreak. Loeffler and her husband bought stocks worth uh, between uh, $450,000 and $1 million, including one software company that has shot up in value due to its teleworking technology. Lucky her. How lucky. Uh, To the public, of course, she downplayed the severity of the disease and echoed Donald Trump's response. But, of course, uh, they will be, don't worry, don't worry, uh, constituents of Georgia, your senator will be exempt from any accountability in that GOP bill, naturally. So you don't have to worry. Although, did I mention keep it in mind this November? Burr said that he made his uh, his sales uh, of his stock based only on public reports. Loeffler said that a third party manages uh, her investment decisions on the behalf of her and her husband. And so she knows nothing about any of this. I'm sure she didn't say anything to her husband or her family or really anybody. She just kept it all to herself. And while they are trying anyway, Democrats, to move another relief bill through Congress, while the Republicans are doing pretend accountability bills. What else are the Democrats up to in the House? Well, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced on Thursday the formation of a new bipartisan House Select Committee that will oversee the Trump administration's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Good, especially since we just handed them about half a trillion, I'm sorry, uh, $2 trillion, which is half the amount of the regular annual federal uh, uh, budget. So we just gave Donald Trump and Steve Mnuchin $2 trillion. I'm sure they'll be responsible with that, right? Pelosi told reporters during a conference call on Thursday that the committee will be chaired by House Majority Whip James Clyburn of uh, Democrat of South Carolina. She added that the bipartisan committee will ensure that the $2 trillion coronavirus disaster relief package will be, quote, spent carefully and effectively. Well, good luck with that, Madam Speaker. After acknowledging that the pandemic has, quote, battered the economy with millions of Americans finding themselves unemployed, Pelosi said that the committee's purpose is to, quote, root out waste, fraud and abuse and protect against price gouging, profiteering, and political favoritism. Pelosi also confirmed that the committee would have subpoena power and that she hopes for cooperation. Well, I'm, I'm sure she does, and I'm sure that the White House will be all too happy to work together to cooperate with any subpoenas that the uh, Congress may send over. After, when have they not treated lawful congressional subpoenas with the respect that, uh, well, you know, every other administration in the history of this nation has. I'm sure that will all work out fine. These nightmares uh, will once again continue until the American people are somehow allowed to uh, make their way to a ballot box or at least a ballot to change the composition of the U.S. Senate and of the White House to something that is... Well, hopefully better 
It could not be much worse, right? 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 Yes, I believe it could not. It could not be much worse. No matter who the Democrats put into the White House, if they can, and in control of the U.S. Senate, if they can, where, by the way, the other thing that McConnell is doing right now, he has said he has uh, no intention of pausing his uh, packing of the federal courts with unqualified Trump judges even during this pandemic. So don't worry. The business of the Senate continues. But those elections, those remain very much at risk right now, as we have been covering and as we will continue to cover, as they are now not only more important than ever, they are also now more at risk than ever, at risk of manipulation, at risk of disaster, at risk of voters losing their right to vote. Some updates on that ongoing mess, including, yes, the presidential primary that is supposed to be happening next Tuesday. I swear to God, you're not dreaming this. Life may be a nightmare right now, but no, you are not dreaming this. There will be an election, apparently, next Tuesday, somehow in Wisconsin. A federal judge has agreed it should move forward today amid a pandemic without poll workers and without the and with the approval of not just the Republicans in the state, but even the state's Democratic governor. That and more. And yes, a Green News report with Desi Doyen is all coming up on today's broadcast. Hey, where are you going? Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. I used to the world, seas that rise when I gave the word. Now in the morning I sleep alone. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, making your day much cheerier and brighter, <laughs> as always. Doing our best. Democrats will delay their presidential nominating convention until the week of August 17 to increase the likelihood that the party can still hold an in-person gathering in Milwaukee amid the coronavirus pandemic, according to Democrats on Thursday. The decision to reschedule the uh, D, uh, the Democratic convention that was set for Milwaukee in July puts Dems gathering uh, one week before the Republican convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was uh, that's starting uh, August 24, which both President Trump and Republican National Committee Chair Rona McDaniel have pledged will go forward. Trump said last week there was, quote, no way his convention would be canceled. No way. And McDaniel said the uh, that planning for a, quote, full seated convention was moving, quote, full steam ahead. All is well. Book your tickets now. You won't lose that money. You go, girls. I'm sure it'll work out great. This should all be done. We'll be totally past this. We'll be all good to go by August. Don't worry, Republicans. Democrats, on the other hand, have taken a more cautious approach. Joe uh, Solomonese, the CEO of the Democratic National Convention Committee, said in a statement Thursday, in our current climate of uncertainty, we believe the smartest approach 
is to take additional time to monitor how this situation unfolds so we can best position our party for a safe and successful convention. We will continue to monitor the situation and follow the advice of health care professionals and emergency responders. Well, not the Republicans. They are full steam ahead. Let's hope there's no liquid droplets in that steam. A uh, fully virtual convention is still a real possibility for both parties. Uh, the uh, Washington Post reports uh, they have uh, both parties have taken recently steps to allow for uh, voting delays and virtual meetings as the nomination process moves forward. Democratic committee members believe that an electronic voting system for the nearly 4,000 delegates who typically cast only. Five votes during a convention meeting will be far more manageable than the problematic elect uh, electronic system that marred the Iowa caucuses. Remember that? Oh, boy. Good times. Unlike a regular election, however, votes at the convention are cast publicly, so they are easier to verify after the fact. That part is true. So it'll be a little harder, maybe, in theory, to monkey wrench that. But uh, this could all happen electronically. But, you know, the, the convention team, they say, is totally focused on accomplishing two goals, which are protecting the health and safety of Wisconsinites and making sure we launch the Democratic nominee in a way that is unmistakably Wisconsin, says Wisconsin Democratic Party chair Ben Wickler. Uh, now, uh, to be frank, I'm not sure you want to uh, launch the Democratic nominee in a way that is unmistakably Wisconsin, at least if what we are now looking forward to on Tuesday in Wisconsin is any indication of that. So, uh, yes, I hope they are protecting health and safety. That's good. But you will pardon me if I am not too impressed with what Wisconsin Democrats are currently doing in protecting the health and safety of Wisconsinites at the moment. If you uh, you would know this, if you've heard our show yesterday or really any of the others over the past week or so, where we have discussed the fact that Wisconsin's Democratic governor, Tony Evers, is allowing next week's presidential primary to go ahead on Tuesday, April 7, incredibly enough. And though he says he does not have the authority on his own as governor to postpone the date or to order an all vote by mail uh, election, uh, the Republicans in charge of the state House and Senate who do have that authority, they agree with the governor that it is just fine to send voters out despite a stay a statewide stay at home order in Wisconsin. It's just fine to send them out to the polls on Tuesday, where, by the way, more Democrats are likely to vote in their presidential primary than Republicans are. But even that is proving to be close to impossible. As we also reported yesterday, there is a massive shortage of poll workers across the state with more than 100 communities reportedly having no poll workers at all as of this past Tuesday anyway. An overall shortage of some 7,000 workers in 60% of the state's municipalities. So yesterday, Evers called in the Wisconsin National Guard uh, to uh, to work the polls. But that may be too little too late as they're still having trouble getting enough workers in place by this coming Tuesday. That as election officials are already overrun with incoming absentee ballots and many of the outgoing absentee ballots that people are still requesting, according to the Wisconsin Election Commission, they are unlikely to arrive to voters in time 
to be returned back to the uh, municipalities by the deadline in order to be counted. In short, it is a mess in the Badger State. It should this election should have been postponed as more than a dozen other states have already done to allow time to figure out how to do a full vote-by-mail election properly. I don't care if the governor doesn't have the uh, authority to do it. He should have done it as a health safety concern, or he should have just continued to raise holy hell every single day, demanding that the Republicans in the state uh, uh, House and Senate convened and did something about this, either postponed or made it easier to vote by mail, extended deadlines or something. But now here we are just days away. And at the moment, the only hope uh, to forestall this disaster on Tuesday we discussed yesterday was a federal lawsuit that was filed by voting rights groups to try to somehow postpone the election. Well, now we have word from the federal judge on that case today. And I'm sorry to say it is not good news. A federal judge on Thursday declined to postpone Wisconsin's scheduled April 7 presidential primary amid widespread worries that holding federal elections during a coronavirus pandemic could risk public health and curtail access to the polls. The ruling from U.S. District Judge William M. Conley now means that Wisconsin will remain the only one of 11 states who were originally scheduled to hold contests in April, the only one that has not postponed or dramatically altered voting amid the pandemic. However, in the 53-page ruling, Conley, who's, by the way, an appointee of uh, of Barack Obama, Conley uh, was not happy about all of this. He extended the deadlines for absentee ballots to be requested uh, by voters from Thursday to Friday. Mm, Boy, that's so so much time. Depending when you get this, uh, when you you hear this uh, show, act quick if you're in in Wisconsin. Uh, He also extended the deadline for completed ballots to be received by local election officials by six days from uh, April 7 to uh, 4 p.m. on April 13. That's the deadline to uh, for these ballots to be received. I believe that they still need to be postmarked. By Election Day, as far as I can tell, he also prohibited the state from enforcing the requirement that absentee ballot envelopes bear a witness signature when voters include a statement that they were unable to obtain one safely. Well, that is helpful because people living alone right now may not be able to have someone else witness and sign their ballots during, you know, quarantines. And yes, the governor's stay at home order. But Conley made clear that he disagreed with the uh, with with the state's decision to go forward with the election. But he said that uh, he was constrained, that he had uh, nothing that he could do to postpone it as a federal judge. And the only thing that he was able to do were uh, consider the uh, constitutional rights of voters. He could not consider public health. Without doubt, he wrote, the April 7 election day will create unprecedented burdens, not just for aspiring voters, but also for poll workers, clerks, and indeed the state. As much as the court would prefer that the Wisconsin legislature and governor consider the public health ahead of any political considerations, that does not appear in the cards, he wrote, nor is it appropriate for a federal district court to act as the state's chief health official by taking that step for them. 
And again, remember in Ohio, I mean, just the day before the election in Ohio, uh, was it about two weeks ago? The Republican governor, um, well, he joined a lawsuit to try to cancel the race. I'm sorry, to try to cancel the election, postpone the, uh, the election. But a state court said, no, you can't do that, governor. And the governor said, well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to have the public health, our, our top state uh, public health official, declare polling places a public health emergency. And that effectively resulted in uh, uh, the election being postponed. It seems like this judge is practically begging Evers to do something yeah. and giving him the words and the, the procedures he could use to actually postpone it. Yep. It's it's a mystery. He also uh, reserved the right. The judge did reserve the right to judge that voters rights have been infringed, something that uh, he said could not be assessed until Election Day. It's unclear what action he would take if, in fact, he concluded that. I'm still having trouble wrapping my brain around the idea that this election is actually going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, he wrote the actual voter turnout ability to vote on Election Day or overall con conduct of the election and counting votes uh, timely has undermined citizens right to vote. Well, yeah. Again, more than 100 municipalities have reported that they do not have enough poll workers to open even one single voting location. That seems like a, an abridgment of uh, voters rights, does it not? State officials predicted that tens of thousands of voters who have flooded election offices with mail-in ballot requests in recent days were at risk of not receiving them on time. That seems like an abridgment of voting rights, does it not? Democrats and voting activists have accused uh, GOP lawmakers of trying to suppress voter turnout intentionally to help an incumbent candidate for the state Supreme Court. This would be right-wing Justice Daniel Kelly to win election. They think that if uh, voter turnout is down, maybe that'll work out well for their guy. As a matter of fact, they had initially, this was the uh, election that they had initially tried to move way up. They tried to move the uh, Supreme Court election much earlier so it wouldn't fall on the same day as a potentially contested Democratic primary election. Uh, but they were unable to do so. So uh, the gods intervened, I guess, with a virus and is allowing votes to be suppressed nonetheless. Leaders in the Republican-controlled legislature argued that moving the voting date so late in the process would sow confusion <laughs> versus what is going on now. Are you kidding as I noted yesterday, in Milwaukee, the shortage is pushing election officials to reduce the number of polling places from 180 polling places in Milwaukee down to 10 or 12, which the mayor there has called irresponsible, but they seem to have no choice because they don't have enough poll workers and they can't keep these places clean. The Wisconsin Election Commission is allowing municipalities to consolidate polling places to reduce the number of locations, but that practice will result in more people flocking to each location, even as health officials are telling people to stay away from each other. It's a perfect storm. It is a perfect it's a perfect deadly storm, to be frank. I mean, it would be a voting rights disaster, but this could be a health disaster. This could turn into an absolute tragedy across the state of Wisconsin. I cannot believe this is going to stand. 
The uh, lawsuit, meanwhile, that was filed uh, argues that uh, a turnout in Milwaukee is expected to be down nearly 44 percent and that African-Americans and Hispanics would make up many of the voters who are disenfranchised on April 7 if the primary is held. So they were trying to make a Voting Rights Act argument there. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm sort of half torn with like hoping that, you know, the people who are suppressed at this point maybe are the people who are allowed to live to some extent. I don't want to say don't go vote. I would never say that, but I, I, I don't I just don't know what to say here. Well, I will say that if you're hearing this uh, by uh, uh, Friday, April 3rd in Wisconsin, quick. Go to the Wisconsin uh, Election Commission website or your whatever your local municipality and get yourself a, a vote by mail ballot and hope to Christ that it shows up in time for you to re- be able to return it on time. Tell your friends, tell your family if you know anybody who knows anybody in Wisconsin. But Republicans are worried about sowing confusion, really? Postponing this public health disaster, not to mention voting rights disaster, really, Republicans? And you are playing along with that, Governor Evers? Republicans and Evers alike have said that postponing would also result in a leadership vacuum in cities and towns which are holding municipal elections, contests for municipal posts that will be vacant as early as mid-April. Well, you know what else causes a vacuum? When those who are elected end up dying from the spread of coronavirus. That would also cause a leadership vacuum, would it not? Thanks to the people trying to vote in the middle of a pandemic. Voting rights groups turned to the federal courts for intervention, uh, supported by national Democrats, uh, good, and some county clerks, good, in the state. National Republicans are the ones helping to defend the decision to go forward with voting next week. The power to delay an election in Wisconsin lies with the legislature. That would be Scott Fitzgerald, the Republican majority leader in the Senate, and Robin Voss, the Republican state House speaker. But uh, both of them have said that they were not pushed by Governor Evers to uh, postpone this election. The governor said in a statement, if I could have changed the election on my own, I would have, but I can't without violating state law. I've asked the legislature to do its part to ensure a fair and safe election, and I hope we can get some clarity on this as soon as possible. Evers did ask this month for mail ballots to be sent to every registered voter. He also asked the legislature to lift photo ID requirements for mail-in voters to extend in-person early voting through the final weekend before the election and move back the deadlines for returning absentee ballots as well as counting them. But Republican lawmakers said no to all of it. All of it. During closing arguments, Conley suggested residents could die from the coronavirus, Judge Conley. He said that may be something that happens that would be outside my jurisdiction, but it will be on the hands of the legislature and the governor. I would add it certainly will be. And by the way, uh, Wisconsin is only the most immediate state to hold uh, elections that could end up killing Americans. Uh, There's a whole bunch of them uh, set for uh, June 2nd and then all 50 of them on November 3rd of this year, where, yes, once again, Republicans are uh, trying to make it harder and more unsafe to vote. 
Had a story I'd hoped to get to in uh, North Carolina, but we'll have to do that in the days ahead. North Carolina, Georgia, Republicans in these key battleground states like Wisconsin, Georgia, North Carolina are all trying to, uh, well, make voting more deadly. Don't know any other way to put it. All right. Quick break. And uh, Desi Doyen is up next with our latest Green News report as the insanity continues on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Thank you for sticking with us. It, uh, well, literally means the world. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. <laughs> Blue skies smiling at me. Yeah. Nothing but blue skies. Do I see? Yeah, it kind of feels like World War II around here lately, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com thought that might be nice to play instead of our usual Melt With Me music. Yes, Melt uh, With You. Melt With You. <laughs> yeah, uh, given uh, there are a lot of blue skies in a lot of places that do not normally see blue skies. So true. Once again, trying to find the upside of shutting down manufacturing across the planet. And transportation. Yeah, all of that. Uh, as we discuss once again in our latest Green News Report. Either we join, either we are in solidarity, either we are together, or we can be defeated. United Nations not defeated, but their climate conference is canceled. Bankrupt coal company hopes to dump obligations to retired coal miners onto taxpayers. State legislatures criminalize pipeline protests. Plus, Trump Interior Department keeps national parks open after employees test positive for COVID-19. All of that stable genius and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent grain news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. By the way... Come on, global warming. I'm rooting for global warming right about now to kill off this virus. Hey, wingnut Ben Shapiro. I'm rooting for global warming to not kill you. Isn't that nice of me? See how humanity works? Try it sometime, Ben. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, while I know that Donald Trump's EPA has been getting rid of protections for the public even amid a pandemic, you say they have an important message for Americans. <laughs> yes, the EPA is urging the public to please throw disinfectant wipes only in the trash and never down the toilet because the wipes clog household plumbing and city sewer systems requiring costly outages and repairs that no one really needs amid a global pandemic. So that's good, isn't it? That is. It'd be nice if they did more like that instead of rolling back air pollution standards. But what do I know? 
In other news, and another sign that the coronavirus pandemic is not going away anytime soon, the annual United Nations Climate Talks, set for November in Glasgow, Scotland, have been postponed until 2021. The conference was regarded as the most important climate meeting of recent years. Each nation was supposed to unveil higher targets for cutting their emissions under the Paris Climate Accord and hammer out a framework for a global price on carbon. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres on the BBC, noted the similarities between combating climate change and coronavirus and warned that international alliances are faltering. For climate change, it has been so difficult to bring people together. So we are witnessing a serious problem. And that problem is that international cooperation has not ever, never been at this low level. But the reality shows, and the COVID-19 is showing it dramatically, either we join, either we are in solidarity, either we are together or we can be defeated. Fakest accent I've ever heard. Here in the U.S., the National Park Service said this week that seven employees have tested positive for the novel coronavirus as of Monday, but the Trump Interior Department has refused calls from park rangers and staffers to close the parks during the pandemic to protect the public, themselves, and their families from the virus. You know why they're not closing the national parks? Why? Because Obama got a lot of crap from Fox News when they shut down the national monuments during uh, one of the government shutdowns. So that's why Donald Trump does not want to close the national parks. Meanwhile, three Republican-controlled state legislatures over the last few weeks passed laws criminalizing protests against fossil fuel infrastructure projects under cover of the coronavirus emergency. Kentucky, South Dakota, and West Virginia all approved new laws creating various new criminal penalties, including fines as high as $20,000 for demonstrators who cause interruption of service or damages to fossil fuel infrastructure. Well, we'd hate to see that happen. Murray Energy, the nation's largest privately owned coal company, said this week it will be forced into liquidation unless a bankruptcy court allows the company to shed its obligation to pay for health care for retired coal miners, many of whom suffer from terminal black lung disease caused by working in the company's mines. The company argued in court that the retirees will be fine because the U.S. taxpayer will foot the bill. Ah, so the hell with the coal miners. Let the taxpayers take care of them. Exactly. Isn't that socialism? Just saying. Some good news. Oil giant Royal Dutch Shell announced this week that it is ditching its participation in a planned liquefied natural gas export project in Louisiana due to the plunge in oil prices caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Finally, while no industry will emerge from the coronavirus pandemic unscathed, the Wall Street Journal reports that wind and solar companies may be in a better position to rebound from the crisis than the struggling oil and gas industry. Even though coronavirus virus shutdowns have severely harmed renewable energy projects in development, the journal said investors are increasingly attracted to the low-risk, stable returns of wind and solar farms at a time of extreme market volatility. And, by the way, the fuel is free as long as the sun shines and the wind blows. And I'll tell you what, Americans are not going to want to go back to these dirty skies after the air has been cleared away during the uh, coronavirus shutdown. Yeah, it's been quite remarkable to get a chance to see what kind of world we could have. It's been quite remarkable to see the world at all out here in Los Angeles uh, over the past couple of weeks. (laughs) It's very nice. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters 
at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes, a mighty wind's a blowing across the land and across the sea. It's blowing peace and freedom. It's blowing you and me. <laughs> I love that song. So do I. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Uh, you got a couple follow-ups there on the uh, national parks business that the uh, administration has refused to shut down, even though workers at the parks are getting sick? Yes. Yeah, so as we said in the report that seven National Park Service workers have tested positive for COVID-19, as far as we know, as they've said publicly. But today, the, uh, the National Park Service closed Grand Canyon National Park, which was a big deal because it was the second time the park superintendent asked to have it closed. Mm. Uh, Park rangers said that uh, they had interacted with more than 600 park visitors in just the last couple of weeks, and they were terrified because they said they they cannot protect themselves, they have no protective equipment, and they are living there with their families in many cases, Mm. so they're afraid of uh, endangering their families as well. Mm. So um, that's that's a good news thing, but unfortunately... That's one park, What's only one park. There are are other big parks that are still, uh, that have been closed, but not many. So about uh, about two-thirds of the National Park Service remains open. Uh, at least two-thirds, yeah, and all the national monuments yeah, that are and, out there. I, and I, the I, Trump I administration know. Interior Department waived the entrance fees, so they're having a bunch of visitors now. Oh, it made it easier to go. Yes. Crazy. It's just crazy. It, it's just deadly. Yeah. I mean, this guy has blood on his hands. Blood on his hands, this entire administration. I swear to God. I swear to God if people don't keep this in mind in November... Elections have consequences. Thank you. Anything else or should we get out? That's it. Let's get the hell out. Uh, My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. It is a great honor. And I know it's not necessarily a lot of fun listening to the broadcast these days. We do our best to try to make it a little bit funner. Uh, But uh, we only got so much to work with, I'm afraid. So thank you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That service and what Desi and I do every day is made possible thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. And I know it's a very hard time to even consider doing that. Uh, So we are especially grateful to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I read them all. You can also find, follow, and share what I do, what we do every day here and uh, in between shows on Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I never saw this sun shining so bright. Never saw things going all so right. Noticing the days hurrying by when you.